Welcome to the Godcasts. So hi there, everyone, and welcome to uh, this Pilgrim's Journey, episode number... Hang on, hang on. It's Sunday, so it must be 42. Episode 42, The Meaning of Life. And this is the end of week six, which means tomorrow is... Monday. The, the start of the end. Yeah. Wow. For a moment there, when you said this is the end, I got very excited. <laughs> but then I looked at the PDF that we're following and I realised it's on page 169, 204. So yeah. um, Dave can walk, Dave can talk, Dave can write. We've established this. Oh, there's quite a lot of pictures in it as well, isn't there? Yes, you've got a printed copy. I was just looking at how many pages are left compared to all that stuff that we've worked through together. Yeah, yeah. It um, you offered me a printed copy actually, but um, yeah, I, I care for the environment more than you. So, so Dave, misty right. You mean like, you care for the environment more than I care for the environment, or you care for the environment more than you care for me? Well, both are true. So it doesn't be. <laughs> Fair I can't, se- I can't separate know. the two, Dave. My my concern for the environment is my concern about you, really. So. Fair enough. Misty Rye is what I like to call you. Yeah. A stunning, stunning walk that morning, quite mm. early, leaving Ekosham. And coming out of the village, the first part of the journey... Um, took me across some fields, sort of heading towards the sun as it was rising behind this mist. And there's this this windmill, old, proper old sort of hosty windmill up on the hill. Mm-hmm. And it was just stunning as the sun started to break through and you could see the silhouette of the, the windmill. Um, and it was beautiful. And it was that, that sort of marked the whole of my journey. I'd get to one part and sort of move on to the next. And you could just sort of through the haze get a, a sense of something that was to come mm. it was the mm. castle so i went past camber castle and you could see that slowly coming out of the mist and mm. right itself which is a stunningly beautiful little coastal town which is kind of raised up um from from the, the area around it because you're quite close to a lot of the, the flatlands there mm. um, and it was a it was beautiful and really thought provoking about making this journey and and day by day things slowly coming into focus things that i've been reflecting on things that i carried into the journey things that i felt god uh, lay on me during that journey mm-hmm. um, and the day sort of as i got to the end of the sixth week and started to reflect on how to bring it home how to get it to the end mm-hmm. um there was a real sense of just this, this gentle and gradual and very purposeful revelation that God brings into our lives. Mm. Um, I think that we can we can often rush to want to have everything in front of us. Let's see the plans. If we think back about some of the things we've talked about in the last couple of days about church structure and change, one of the things that we often want before we change is that we want all the details. We want to see where it's going to go. We want to know what the outcome will be. And the reality that I've found walking with God is that that just isn't how it works. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, 
he doesn't often reveal the outcome of this part of the journey mm. when we set off on it because there are times when we wouldn't go. Um, but it's he he reveals to us what what we need to know and what we can cope with, right? Mm. Um, and yeah, that was very much sort of put in my face, and mm. I got that that um, sense of of how the Bible tells us that you know we're told that we won't see everything all mm. clearly at the time. Uh, passage in Corinthians it says, "For now we see only a reflection, as in a mirror." Mm. then we shall see face to face and now i know in part and mm. then i shall know fully and that i i really got that sense of this is for me certainly been part of this journey there are mm. things that god has has revealed and I, and I think wow i've got somewhere quite definite with that mm. other stuff that i can sense i'm part way there i've got a better understanding of mm. things mm. Uh, and not just for this journey but reflecting broad more broadly in my life mm. and and then putting that out into is that not actually what happens to us in our christian journey mm. I, I think it's interesting the whole thing about um now we see in part and then, then we shall know fully even as we're fully known um and i think there are for most of us for most of our lives um we just sort of hold up there you know, that's just something that's true, something that will um, one day happen to us. Um, and then there are seasons when we have to walk through waiting for doctor's results, um, getting the worst possible results, when we have to face it ourselves. Uh, and the challenge in those moments will be, can we hold on to what we found so easy to hold on to when it was plain sailing? You know, when it was when there weren't big questions, when there weren't long waits, um, that ability to trust and to keep going through the fog and the mist. Yeah, and I wonder if that's changed. If you know, we were talking about the the the, the world of the instant answer and mm. the ability to Google everything, and I wonder if that's changed how we deal with those situations because. We think we can have an answer to everything now. Mm. Uh, we expect science and medicine to, to resolve everything straight away or technology to resolve everything straight away. Mm. And that's not been true for, for through the centuries and for every generation. Mm. People, um, people were used to not having all the information, not having all the answers. Mm. So maybe we're, we're more willing to sit in that spiritual space of trust mm, mm. And waiting on god whereas now alongside waiting on god and trusting that he's got a plan we've also got google mm, mm. and so we we sort of chuck that into the mix yeah and yeah. we convince you know oh, yes well i'll just pray about this and wait on mm. what god's going to do but i am going to just see what it says on wikipedia mm. or on you know, some strange Mr. Fix-It, I know the answers page or whatever it is. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think so. So that that spiritual waiting on, mm. that spiritual acceptance of not knowing it all, we, we're kind of not so good at it anymore. And I wonder if, because um, the reality is that, that dimension of trust, that dimension of faith is not unique to our relationship with God. Uh, but because 
you know, this side of eternity, you know, this, today's reflection is called face to face. This this side of eternity, it is faith. You know, it, it is expectation. It's hope, trust. It's clinging on. It's walking. Um, but in other relationships, we exercise this level of trust as well. You know, we, um, you know, trust our spouses. You know, we trust our our kids. We trust our friends. Um, and and so there's that element there. But because God is unseen, um, there are times when that will really be challenged, mm-hmm. really be stretched. And and so anybody that's offering an easy answer or a quick fix will seem more you know enticing, will seem more tempting than the waiting, the journey, the trusting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and journeying, physically journeying. I don't think there were times particularly on my walk where I suppose Dartmoor was the closest to it, where. The, it wasn't always clear exactly where the path was, and so you had to kind of just mm-hmm. trust and keep heading in what you think was the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose when we were up Snowdon with the kids last week in the summer, that was fine, and although it was cloudy and misty, you could pretty much see the path all the way, and there were other people on the path. Mm-hmm. If you do that journey in the winter, there are times when the path, the mm-hmm. route other people have taken, isn't that clear. Mm-hmm. you have to really rely on those things that you've got your map and your compass and mm-hmm. we have those in our relationship with god we have the holy spirit and we have the scriptures and those are the mm-hmm. things that we should use as our map and compass when we're having to wait when we're having to sort mm-hmm. of well, what is the outcome going to be use those to make mm-hmm. sure you keep journeying through this because the difficulty is we can we can say to ourselves or others, yeah, I'm going to trust this to God, I'm going to wait on God and see what happens. And then we dive into the world and we dive into Google and we find all sorts of things and we start, oh, I've seen these, these tablets that someone says we can have, I'll go and buy some of them or, mm. or I'll do this and I'll do that. And, and whilst we profess to be waiting on God and trusting him, we actually go off on a different tangent completely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then that makes it harder to mm. to follow the right path to be trusting. Mm. Mm. Um, I think we so often yeah. we forget that our guide to this is Jesus, mm. um, and that He too journeyed through. You know, um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And um, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Um, he too faced. The yeah. ultimate questions of life, uh, the ultimate questions of where God is and what He's doing, He He cries out on our behalf. You know, why have you forsaken? Um, and but this, but we forget that so easily, and we assume that we're there on our own, that we're alone in, in that. Yeah, um, and it is. It can be a painful place. It can be difficult to not have all the answers when you you go for the scan or the test. And it's done, but now you're waiting. And someone says, yes, they should be back in 10 days' time. And you're waiting, you're waiting. To trust in God in that, it's it's it doesn't happen accidentally. Mm. It's mm. these habits, the ability to do that comes back to something that I haven't actually talked a huge amount of lot in this series, is deeper discipleship, deliberate mm. discipleship. Mm. Mm 
we have to practice those things. We have to practice our spiritual disciplines so that they become the first thing that we do and and our default action. We have to practice being prayerful. We have to practice turning to the scriptures and looking to the scriptures for what it is God wants to say to us in a situation. Mm. I was reminded of something you shared a few days ago about somebody saying, I don't, you know, I keep reading the scriptures until I find what God is going, wants to say to me today. Mm. Not, mm. I'll just read the passage and, oh, he didn't have anything to say. Yeah, yeah. Believing that God has always got something to say into our situation. Mm. We have to deliberately practice those things mm. as disciples. And if we don't, when the chips are down, when something drastic happens, they're not the thing that we go to first. Yeah, yeah. We go think, to other worldly things. I think part of um, why that's so hard for us is the way that we've reduced prayer to simple sort of requests. You know, it's, and it's one of those things that I keep coming back to. It's, it's a little bit like, you know, I know that worship isn't singing. Um, but my default is I'll just snap back to singing. And it's a bit like that with prayer, that the default uh, so often is it's just about asking. And if we ask hard enough or well enough or long enough um, or believing enough, we, we will get what we want. Yeah. Uh, and, and prayer is relationship with God. You know, it's, um, it's conversation. Um, and the time that we invest in getting to know God is what will sustain us mm. when we're not getting the answers that we want or when life is, is, is really tough, uh, when the questions are, are really painful. Um, if all our relationship with God has been up to that point, has been, please come and have this, please don't allow that to happen, please look after them. I'm not, I'm not you know, saying that glibly because those things are, are massive for us um, and are part, an aspect of that. Uh, but if we haven't invested time getting to know God's ways and his character and really allowing him to speak into who we are and where we're going, um, then it's no, you know, it, it, I shouldn't, I don't want to put this bluntly, but it's not a surprise when a shallow faith like that struggles. Yeah. Um, in, in yeah. And, and interestingly, I think that shallow faith can sometimes uh, be hidden behind what appears to be quite a strong conviction, but is very black and white mm. and very absolute and is rooted in some some uh, understandings of, of a faith that are very mechanical. This is what it is. This is what it is. And that's it. And I'm not ever going to move. We talked about change and we've talked about moving and journeying. Mm. And I, I, a couple of recollections of people who I've encountered in churches um, whilst I've been going through my own journey, mm. and one of them in particular, who was apparently very, very strong in their faith and had a very clear understanding of what it was all, it was very, very black and white for them. Mm. Every sort of controversial issue, they've got a very clear, mm. this mm. is what the answer is. Mm. And then something happened in their life, in their home relationship, and things kind of got a little bit messy. Mm. And the faith that they had didn't carry them through that. And by the time they came out the other side, they'd given up church, they'd given up their faith completely Mm. because Mm. it wasn't being practiced. It wasn't a discipline that they were deliberately 
growing and journeying mm. through. Mm. So those things that were just, it's this and that, that's it. Mm. They weren't properly invested in them. They weren't engaged with them. They hadn't really thought them through. Yeah. They yeah. hadn't spent time talking to God about it. They'd not yeah. at any point really sort of said, yeah, but is that really what I think God's saying to me? Mm. Mm. It's just that that's what I was told when I first became a Christian, and that's it. That's all there is. It's this, there's two types of knowledge, isn't there? There's, there's the sort of knowledge that is very academic, you know, very, you know, I can, I can mentally assent to that reality. And then there's the more personal experiential knowledge. Um, and you, you are right that sometimes it's far easier to invest in the first type of knowledge mm -hmm. and to think that that builds strength, but it is the valleys, it's the experience that, that gives you the strength. Yeah, it's um, sort of the difference between intelligence and wisdom. Mm, you can mm. be very intelligent. You can know an awful lot about something. Mm. But you might not be very wise with it. You might not know how to apply it or how to use it or, or how to even properly investigate what it is you know. Mm. Um, I've, I've known some very, very intelligent people who are not very smart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It comes down to day-to-day -day stuff. Yeah. And others yeah. who... Who have had a limited education, not had the privilege of university or anything like that, mm. but are very wise. Yes. Because they've learned carefully from every opportunity that they've had. Mm. They've carefully reflected on it scripturally, spiritually, and they've become quite wise in mm. how they live their lives. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. There's a, um, there's a pastor from um, Reading. I called uh, Bill Johnson, and uh, a couple of seasons ago, uh, he he was releasing kind of all kinds of big selling books, and uh, he came over, did some conferences. I went along. I was very blessed by a lot of what he shared. Um, and then I think uh, the church itself. Uh, I don't know if it's felt the pressure to keep offering bigger and better spiritual experiences, uh, but there's been certain things that have come out of that sort of camp that I've been very dubious about and, and I've backed right away from. Uh, well, recently his wife, Benny, uh, got cancer and uh, he, they're very much a sort of a word faith movement, you know, declaration that God will heal, all that kind of stuff. Um, and she's recently passed away at a relatively young age from cancer. Um, and I thought this is going to be challenging for that movement and for that church to have somebody who, who right at the figurehead says it's god's will in every situation to heal um and if we just declare it uh, he will what's that going to do to him mm -hmm. what's that going to do to his ministry what's that going to do to his church um and what's been interesting he, he shared a message um only a couple of days after um she died uh and i must confess i'd, I'd completely misjudged the level of faith there doesn't mean I agree with everything that they do or everything that he says. Uh, but one of the comments he make, made was that only uh, the backslider in heart judges God for what he didn't do. Uh, and I will trust the goodness of God, in, mm. even in this situation. Um, and there aren't many people who a couple of days after um, losing their wife will come to that. Um, their son uh, has just written a song about um, you know, trusting in God uh, and it is beautiful it's an absolutely beautiful reflection um, but it is the difference between yes here's the theory um, and it's interesting that, that quite often 
people who um, have a strong faith in terms of the, that they would define, I know what I believe, uh, can actually be some of the most sort of argumentative and, and difficult mm. um, people. And other people who don't have that sort of um, amount of knowledge can have a very different experiential faith. Um, and, and it's, you know, it, it's that little steady and, and holds you definitely. I think you use that word experiential, and it's it's a bit it's a bit like the when when we talk about having an a, you know an encounter with God, that sometimes people's people who have been in church or part of a church for, for most of their lives, maybe grown up in it and within a certain tradition, and have followed that that partnership. There's a danger that it can become formulaic. It can become just a pattern of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that you've already been told what what the answers to everything are and what it is and what it isn't and mm-hmm. all of those controversies are not controversies because this yeah. is absolutely what it is yeah so there's no opportunity for change there's no opportunity to believe that god might be pushing us to understand something differently to what we thought we knew yeah so so we're not necessarily looking for an experience with god for an encounter with god just have almost a contract with him yeah he's he's told us this is what it is we yeah. accepted the contract we're going to do all of these things every week and at the end of it we get heaven yeah yeah it's not a relationship in that sense it's not a journey it's not a growing faith we, we're not anticipating that we've got to change because mm. we've already got it we already mm. know what the truth mm. is um, and the truth about the truth is that we are we are never going to fully understand it until mm. we meet it. Mm. Until mm. we meet it in God mm. fully, that's when it will make sense to us. And yeah. in the meantime, our responsibility, our part, you know, the the Jewish tradition was very contractual. And the point about Jesus was that it it, it was no longer based on a contract and mm. let's follow these rules and this is it. It was now promised on on grace and mercy and hope and forgiveness and love. Mm. Those are not contractual things. Mm. Mm. Uh, although sadly, it seems that we do live in a world where, in relationships now. You can write contracts about those things, and yes, but yeah. you can't. You mm. cannot contractualize love or mercy, mm. or grace mm. or forgiveness. Some of those things are emotions that just come out of nowhere. Some of them are things that require us to go beyond what we think is possible in things like forgiveness and mercy. You can't just simply write down this is what it is mm. because we only experience and discover our own capacity for them fully mm. when we're in relationship with god mm. none of those things we you know it's true to say there are a lot of people who are not christians who exhibit many of those mm. attributes that we sort of lay on jesus as our model and that's true and there are some fabulous and you know peaceful loving merciful people in the world but to we will only ever encounter them in their fullness, in the richness that they can be through Jesus. Yes. Yeah. And if we're not, if we think we've got all the answers and it's all done, we're not seeking that. Mm. We're not deliberately mm. hoping today I'm going to understand something better. Mm. I think maybe 
through Ben's death and through the breakdown of my marriage and then into this pilgrimage, those three things really helped me um, to, to, to understand or to really want to hold on to this idea of trusting in God today and, and really believing today there's something else God wants me to see. Yeah. Another yeah. little bit that's going to fit in, another piece in mm. the puzzle that's going to help me understand why tomorrow I continue journeying. Mm. Um, you know, I'm going to get to the end of week six today and next week, the last week of the journey, and then I go home. And I was talking to Diana um, about what did it feel like getting to the end. And, and I know oh. that as I start into this week, I'm starting to think, wow, this has come around really quickly. I'm starting to think about going back home and getting back into the swing of things. Mm. Um, uh, and I'm sure I, I reflect on that through the week coming. But deliberate discipleship, our faith relationship with God, has got to be one that where there's an expectation every day mm. that God will reveal something new to me. But in that expectation, that requires me to be deliberately open to it, deliberately looking for it, listening, looking, responding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if if my pattern of my faith has become go to church on Sunday, sing the same hymns, say the same mm. prayers, tell God what I want, mm. not mm. listen for a response, mm. thank Him that everything's exactly like he said it was 30 years ago well how i thought it was 30 years ago mm -hmm. i'm going nowhere mm -hmm. um, i'm just going to be stuck where i am and yeah that's not a great place to be i don't think i, I don't know if you've read um there's a book by john Altberg, um faith and doubt um and in it he talks about sort of um public beliefs private beliefs and core beliefs there's things that I say I believe, there's things I think I believe, and there's things I, I actually believe. And um, he talks about the fact that as we're growing up, we're forming a mental map of how the world works. You know, fire hurts, you know, cars move fast, all those kind of things. Um, Gravity is a reality. Uh, and he talks about how the, when the disciples meet Jesus for the first time ever, they saw somebody who's public private and core beliefs are in complete alignment mm -hmm. and that Jesus believed in the father like I believe in gravity it's not that I say I believe it but I don't jump off cliffs you know it, it, <laughs> it, I, the way I live actually demonstrates it and there's a bit I was reading in the book and I actually had to sort of stop and put the book down and just go I'm gonna to have to think about that for a while he said uh, there's a point at which the disciples realize uh, that they can't just have the faith in Jesus, what they need is the faith of Jesus. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And I think that's the difference between um, this very simplistic, I just want to know what it is I should think biblically about these issues, to what does it look like to walk like Jesus and to live like Jesus and to trust like Jesus through those things. Um, it's actually fundamentally different. Mm. I was, I was just going to say that um, I'm frequently embarrassed by you, uh, and that's that. That's one thing on its own. But but I I, I feel embarrassed by your um, how, how well you remember the stuff you read. 
you clearly read a lot and that's that's a, an admirable thing um but often throughout this series you've referenced books that you've read or messages you've heard and and you're very good at being able to remember them and reflect them and that's that is quite a skill um i can barely remember which shoe to put my you know my feet in most days um let alone a book i might have read 10 years ago or something so I think, I that think is just, just think... so everybody knows that is me in a roundabout way so that's <laughs> something positive about you and Sort of that's, that's very very kind. I was slightly worried when you said you were frequently embarrassed. Well, I am um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not very kind. Um, I, I I love reading, and uh, for me, but that that's the interesting thing is that um, so often you can read something or hear something, and and think you've got it, think it's sort of sewn up. And it's like that's the when you discover something like that, that's the first step. <laughs> and rather than just think, okay, well, it's not enough just to know it, is it? In fact, yeah. it's worse to know it and not act on. Yeah, definitely. And that that distinction between um, believing in Jesus and believing like Jesus mm. is mm. really important. It's it's mm. quite a huge step. Mm. Um, and, and I wonder whether part of the problem that we have in our church fellowships is that we've got an awful lot of people who have made the jump from not believing in Jesus to believing in Jesus, but they're, they're not actually anywhere near believing like him. Mm, mm, mm. In that, you know, because to believe like Jesus is, you might say, totally reckless mm. because mm. it abandons all other yes. possibilities yeah, yeah. It, it puts everything into one thing and that's god mm. Mm. and and in a worldly way that would be a reckless sort of thing yeah um, yeah. i was listening recently to somebody reflecting on a, an interview between uh ricky gervais and one of the American chat show um, presenters, uh, Corbett, Corbett, um, mm, mm, yeah, yeah. Corbett. Yeah. and um, and Ricky Gervais says to him, "Oh, the only difference between you and me is one God. You, I, I don't believe in any gods whatsoever, mm. and mm. you believe in no gods apart from one. So one, it's just yeah. one God that we, yeah. and, and it's a very cleverly sort of put mm. sort of argument." Mm. But it misses the point yeah. of the step that it takes to to recklessly believe in God. Is it any different, really? I suppose to recklessly believing that science has got the answer. But there's no God. Yeah, absolutely. And knows everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, it isn't really. Yeah. But that I do wonder whether that's why we what what we've got to fix in our church yeah. or work out how do we move somebody. Mm. The point of believing in Jesus, because our church mm. is generally a mostly full of people that most of the time believe that to be true. Yeah, how many of them believe like him? Mm. I think there's a few things there in that comment by Ricky Gervais that I just believe in one less God than, than you do. Um, is that let's just take for example, you know, you've been given a diagnosis and there are multiple forms of, of treatment, uh, and 
you, you, you pick one that you believe is, is going to be the right one for you. Um, the reality is that it's not your faith in that treatment working or not. It is whether that is the right treatment, whether it's yeah. an effective treatment. And so the problem is not faith or no faith. It's faith in, in the right thing. Um, so I think there, there's that thing. Uh, but I also think there's a reality, and this is often missed by the sort of the new atheist movement, uh, is that not believing is a choice. Yeah. That non-belief is a bit like if I don't do any exercise and if I have a terrible diet, I'm not choosing to look after myself, but my body will choose for me. Mm. My lifestyle is making a choice. Uh, and that's often not acknowledged that that um, atheism is a it's a choice. It's a yeah. it's a way of living, it's a way of believing, it's a way of life. Yeah, um, and I can remember a few years ago reading a story about uh, a church in the UK, I think, where uh, they regularly let out some of their rooms for other groups to use. I think they regularly let out their Christians back let, in. Let them out. They regularly <laughs> let them out. And then On good got day, trouble and had to take them back. <laughs> they regularly used to lease out their rooms to other groups. Mm. And one of the groups that um, used one of their, in fact, used their main hall, worship hall, was a humanist group mm. who had decided that one of the things they wanted to do was gather together once a week and sit down together and they might share some songs mm. that were meaningful to them mm. uh, that they might just listen to or they might sing along to. Yeah. Um, and they might just have a little bit of time to reflect on some things that were going on in their lives. Um, and someone might share some thoughts on some things. Mm. And they didn't see the irony at yeah. all. Yeah. They yeah. were coming to meet in a church <laughs> in a place that they thought was complete fabrication and all rubbish to yeah. do effectively what it is that those Christians do in an attempt to try and draw near to God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but something else I was going to say was, I think you sort of touched on this just now, is, is just believing in something doesn't make it true. Mm, mm. You know, it's like, you know, you people can believe that the earth is flat. Mm, you can mm. have that belief, that's fine. It doesn't mm. mean it's true. I, so, sorry, what now? Yeah, I'll not explain that bit to you. Dave, Dave, we know you're a flat earther. <laughs> don't, don't deny it now on this podcast. We know flat earther, earther, not a fat earther. <laughs> Um, no, it's true. But, it is. It is true. You know, and and belief is is um, my believing in God doesn't make God true. My believing in God allows me to access Him. Allows me to enables me to to get because you know God. I don't know whether you whether you're a Terry Pratchett fan. I, I read every Terry Pratchett book going. Mm. Uh, fabulous, fabulous writer. Some really interesting thoughts on life and death and mm. Mm. all sorts. One of his books, Small Gods, early on in his series. And in Small Gods, um, the size of a god is directly related to the number of people that believe in them. At the time. Right, okay. Yeah. So there's this one god who people have sort of lost in the myriad of other possible gods mm. and now has shrunk to, to only be uh, the size of this tortoise um, and so you know and it's this whole idea that god is as big as the number of people that believe in mm. Him. Mm. that's a very worldly sort of thing mm. the point mm. is god is bigger than the whole of the world could ever imagine mm. 
yeah, yeah. He isn't. But, but that, that that idea that the more people agree with something, the more likely it is to be true, is is prevalent. Yeah, you know, it's um, very much um, around today, definitely. And not just the more people, but the people that shout loudest about it. Yes. Or yeah. have the biggest platform. Yeah. Or are the most um, the best at presenting their idea. Yeah. charismatic in the way if they're good at that if they're entertaining if they're a good comedian mm-hmm. then it must be true yeah because yeah. you know they oh yeah. well that person said that therefore yeah it's just true uh, there was one right uh, it might not be true just because i said it could just because you yeah. believe it yeah no it's mm-hmm. true sorry just, but you're certainly not a charismatic Communicators, so I've got no worries. <laughs> but the um, uh, there, there was one writer, I think it was Bertram Russell, but I might be wrong on that one. Uh, profound atheist, huge following, and towards the end of his life, uh, his daughter, who's a, a Christian, uh, she writes about um, Bertram's God somewhere, uh, starts to, to, to realize the attractiveness of faith when you approach the end of your life and start to ask all kinds of interesting questions. And there's a bit that he writes, I don't think it's a book, I think it's just a piece for like The Guardian or something that I came across, where he says, it's interesting that I've sort of dedicated my life to freeing people from the tyranny of believing in God. And I've tried to tell them that there is no higher purpose, there is no design, there's no meaning. And yet I've tried to sit and write believing that people are going to find this helpful, believing that anybody's going to read it anyway. Uh, And it is hard now for me to find meaning in that after I've convinced myself and convinced that this this world has no meaning. I thought that was Mm -hmm. quite an interesting, quite an honest place to come to. Yeah. Um, was how do I find it's really hard to live consistently with the idea that there is no meaning there is no value uh, it's all accident it's all um, you know it's all fluke that we're here really hard to live consistently with yeah I think it is I mean equally it's it's, it's very difficult to live consistently the life of faith mm. commitment to to follow the path of Jesus and when we get it wrong, we fail, we make mistakes. And people will love to point out when we make mistakes and when we get wrong the things that we profess and, and yeah, demonstrate. But you're right, people who stand on, profess on a belief that there is nothing to believe in, um, themselves inevitably will come across moments when the choices they make, the things they do, are absolutely rooted in, in a complete opposite to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, you know the the truth is, well, this is face to face, wasn't it? That we we really can't, we don't have the the absolute answers. We can't write down, find the evidence that proves, proves, proves to a point where there's no longer anything to prove. Yeah. It is about just treading forwards day by day, looking for that face to face encounter with God. Yeah. When you stand on the opposite of that. When you stand on no hope, nothing else, no purpose, no, it's you're going to come across moments in your life when you're going to have to re-examine that. Mm. Uh, and I, you know, I look forward to the day when some of our biggest vocalists that are, you know, anti-faith and anti-religion. Mm. Um, and I suppose what bothers me about many of our current thinkers and speakers vocalizers that are anti-faith anti-religion is that someone like Bertrand Russell 
was a very reasoned man who put forward, mm. you know, thought out reasons as to why it wasn't possible. Much of our sort of anti-faith rhetoric now is is about not whether it's possible to believe, but it's critical of the people. It's putting down of, of how people believe. It's blaming Christians and Muslims and Jews for the wars and this and that. Mm. It's, mm. it's not just a reasoned, I don't think this is true because. Mm. It, uh, it can't be true because mm. if it were true, this wouldn't happen. These people wouldn't do this. Mm. And that's a very different thing. And I think mm. it's a thing of our own where we we try to debunk a yeah. point of view not by properly reflecting on it or, or arguing it but just by mm. putting down the people that believe it yes you, know, yeah. you must be stupid if you believe this and, yeah. and it can't be believable because of this mm. we know that in every religion in our own in in christianity in, through church life over and over again there have been people and groups that have done things that are totally mm. opposed to what we believe mm. our faith to stand for and the same mm. is true for people in other traditions mm. 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 um, and yet it's very easy and it's done very often by the, the non-faith to those that profess to believe in nothing to point the finger at the, the fault in a few and, and then yeah, it to everybody. Yeah, which is a really unfair thing. And the difficulty is, if you're in the few, or if you're in that faith thing, how do you argue against those things? Yeah, because yeah. they're not reasoned arguments. Yeah, yeah. Um, ultimately, and there's nothing that reasonable to say, but I'm just going to stand on faith. Yeah, yeah. I believe it to be true. I'm going to stand yeah. on it, and I'm going to trust that this is, you know, everything I've heard and seen is true can't prove it to you so there we go and yes yeah. i make mistakes and we yeah. make mistakes and people have done terrible things in the name of religion and faith mm. we accept that completely doesn't mean it's not true just mm. because people have misrepresented god gone to war over faith issues that doesn't mean god doesn't exist mm. you can't mm. deny the existence of someone just because someone misrepresents them yeah, yeah, and, and in the same way that um, be very easy to take pop shots at sort of very atheistic leadership structures, communism, etc., um, and look at the the effects of even well, yeah, we, we could take pop shots. Um, but the those awful examples, it's almost like a straw man argument, isn't it? Uh, that you know what people do with that doesn't um, invalidate the the reality of the belief or not. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't invalidate it. Someone having an argument, someone like the Ricky Gervaises or mm. the Dawkins or people like that, saying, you know, my reasoned thinking about this makes your belief wrong non-existent it's simply not a valid mm. argument it doesn't mm. exist as an argument mm. my belief is my belief mm. Mm. It, it is real that is it and yeah. i'm entitled to it and they're entitled not to mm. um, but yeah you can't just blink you know in, in the terry pratchett small gods effectively if everyone stops believing god stops existing mm. Mm. That isn't the reality. No, Actually, no. He will no. always be there.
Yeah. yeah, existed before there was anyone to believe or not believe. Yeah, absolutely. Fairfield, right? Fairfield, yes. Another of those moments that I've been looking forward to on the journey. It was one of the places that I really wanted to get into the journey because of its connection to Canterbury and Thomas Beckett. Um, so, yeah. And it's better than the unfair field, isn't it? It's... Yeah, much better than unfair field, definitely. Yeah. 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 Well, well, I shall meet you in the fair field tomorrow. Fabulous. Thank you, John. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for listening to The Godcasts. Mm-hmm.